This is Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. Good morning, good morning, and good morning to you too. We have another day to try to get it right. And on this day, of course, our focus should be on Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. The first time a Black woman has been nominated and the fourth woman to go before the hearing process with a chance to actually become a U.S. Supreme Court justice with all the power of creating the law of the land. And we should be paying attention to any U.S. Supreme Court justice who is going to be able to change our lives with a vote, a stroke of the pen, a tap of the keyboard. These five members of the U.S. Supreme Court, five of the nine, are equal in their judgment to the power of the President of the United States to create an executive order or all of Congress to create law. The debate right now, and you might have heard it yesterday during the first day of the introduction of Katanji Brown-Jackson, when the Senate Judiciary Committee went around the room giving their opening statements, many of them, you know, I would say um, those Republican senators, uh, they decided that they wanted to attack her because of what had happened with Judge Kavanaugh as well as even Clarence Thomas, even though we know that what occurred, especially with Judge Kavanaugh in his hearing, um, should have taken place in order to determine whether or not allegations of alleged assault in his earlier days and drunkenness were actually true. But what we found out was the FBI never truly investigated all of the allegations, all of the tips that were given to them on Judge Kavanaugh. And yet the conservatives were quite disturbed by the fact that we, the people, wanted to know about this man's past, about his conduct, not just when he was in high school, but there were also allegations of misdeeds in law school, of attacks of women and drunken behavior. Um, But here's the thing. They have said, the conservatives, the Republicans have said that they're going to behave themselves, that they're going to act in a respectful manner, not like the Democrats did in giving those two cases of Anita Hill, who came forward with Clarence Thomas's, um, uh, not during Clarence Thomas's nomination to speak of sexual harassment on the job by um, Clarence Thomas when he was working at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission of all places. So, Uh, This is the time in which uh, if there are dirty deeds, they'll be coming out. Um, But this is also the time in which political um, adversaries can get their digs in using a U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Under the U.S. Constitution, the president nominates a person to the U.S. Supreme Court. However, it's with the advice and consent. That's what it says in the Constitution. It's with the advice and consent of the Senate that this person actually is voted on and receives the job. So what we are looking at when we're watching these um, hearings, whether or not it's for the U.S. Supreme Court justice or other high-ranking federal officers, what we're watching is the job interview. 
So picture yourself in a job interview with cameras and the world watching. That's what we see here. Those people who are sitting across the other side of the desk being questioned by a potential employer about their past, about what they can do to help in the job situation, what they feel is their philosophy regarding the work. That is what is happening right now with Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who at 51 years old has been a public defender, which many people find from the conservative side as a criticism, but you'll find that she um, actually defended poor people accused of crimes. We're also, we'll also hear about the fact that those poor people accused of crimes included the detainees at Guantanamo Bay. We're going to hear about the fact that some of those people she defended um, were people who were um, accused of some dastardly deeds. We'll also find that on the sentencing commission, when she was a member of the sentencing commission, that they reduced the ratio of crack cocaine to powder cocaine in sentencing. So for one ounce of crack cocaine, one person could receive um, a five-year sentence. And the same thing if someone had 100. So if you think about um, the crack cocaine, powder cocaine disparity, you'll see that she was on the sentencing committee when it was moved from one to 100 ratio to one to 18 ratio of crack cocaine to powder cocaine or powder cocaine to crack cocaine. So what you're going to hear also is that as a judge, she had decisions where there were um, people who were accused of obtaining and possessing child pornography and that she did not give them the longest sentences. Actually, she, her sentences were shorter than the sentences that could have been given. And because of that, they're saying that she is soft on crime, even though she has a brother who served in the military and also uncles who are in the police department. Um, so all of these things are going on uh, during this job interview that we're watching as the hearing goes forward for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. She's Judge Jackson. She was a district court judge. She's on the Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C., and she is now a nominee for the nation's highest court. I want you to know that in 1872, 1872, we had our first Black female lawyer. So this, this range of time, this span, this evolution should not be taken as unusual. As a matter of fact, we could have had a Black U.S. Supreme Court justice much sooner, but this is a time it's taking place. But I want to tell you a little bit about Charlotte Ray. Charlotte Ray, the first Black female lawyer, grew up as one of six children raised in New York City in Brooklyn. She became, think about this, she became an attorney in 1872, a graduate of Howard Law School in Washington, D.C. She passed the bar in 1872. 18, not 1972. 1872. And so the groundwork was laid long before. And we need to understand that having laid that groundwork, that Black women have been using the law as a mechanism for their own personal ambitions, a mechanism for liberation, social determination, for a way to push past all the obstacles that are in place, and so many of them based on race and gender. 
the law has been a, a, a vehicle for the uplift of many people. And as someone who has a great respect for the law, I'll say that it's important for us to understand and watch the U.S. Supreme Court hearings because these Supreme Court nominee hearings will give you an insight into the people who ascend to the Supreme Court in a way you'll never know after they gain access to the court. Their lives become completely private. And I'll give you this example. Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas, who has been on the court since 1991, was hospitalized He was hospitalized. He's 73 years old. He is at Sibley Memorial Hospital in Washington, D.C. He has been in the hospital since Friday experiencing flu-like symptoms, yet we know very little about what is wrong with him. Does he have COVID? How serious is this illness? And we were not even told that he was in the hospital until two days after he was taken to the hospital. Their lives are so secret that now is possibly the only time we have a chance to find out what is going on in the minds and hearts of those who will be the five who make up the power of creating the law of the land in this country. We're going to continue to discuss Judge Katanji Brown Jackson after this musical break I'm going to be joined by Professor Wallace Ford, and we're going to have an in-depth conversation about this process, about Katanji Brown Jackson, and what does it mean to be, in this instance, the power position of another Black voice, another person who's risen or can rise to a point where they can affect this entire nation. And is this nation ready for a Black woman's voice at that level of intellect and power? We'll be right back.
And that's Hazel Scott taking a chance on love. And Hazel Scott is another African-American female genius who needs to have more recognition for all that she brought to this world, to this community, and to the arts. We're here now with Professor from Maker Evers, Professor Wallace Ford. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. That's a good morning, as, as it is. And uh, so glad to return to your show there, uh, uh, Professor um, Brown, Marshall, Marshall Brown, Brown Marshall, excuse me. I'll get it right. I'll get it right. <laughs> so, um, yes. So how are you today? Okay. Let's try that again. <laughs> Here we are uh, together uh, again, talking about um, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson and the U.S. Supreme Court. One of the things that I, I thought about when I had Hazel Scott singing Taking a Chance on Love is that we're taking a chance again to see what, where this country is. This is kind of a barometer of where we might be um, when it comes to um, race relations, perhaps. I'm not sure. Am I, am I stretching? It? Is it too much to, to add that into the Katanji Brown Jackson um, process of as she goes before yeah. the Senate Judiciary Committee? Well, um, we've seen this movie before in so many in, in so many different iterations. Of course, when we're talking about um, uh, you know, African Americans, uh, black men and women being put in positions of uh, uh, that of prominence, influence, power, uh, and there's always, um, and we always will, as peers in this country, uh, have our credentials questioned, uh, have our intellect questioned, uh, have uh, be asked questions with respect to our professionalism that are just never, uh, never posed uh, to um, uh, to white men and women in similar situations, and so. Um, it is, I have no expectation uh, that um, uh, uh, Judge Brown will be, Judge Jackson, excuse me, will be uh, treated um, fairly by everybody in the Senate. <clears throat> I think the Republicans have shown themselves, uh, you know, who they are when it comes to matters such as this. And so whether, whether uh, it'll be as crass as trying to go through her, um, you know, her academic uh, credentials uh, to looking at the trans her transcripts uh, from high school for God's sake whatever it might be it's just it's going to be it's going to be like that so um, uh, you know but uh, you know you and I have spoken about this before uh, is that um, you know before she was nominated and the, and the prospect was that a black woman was going to be uh, the nominee that whoever as she might be, uh, this will not be her first rodeo in terms of dealing with these kinds of things. And that, uh, uh, you know, certainly, you know, black women, uh, you know, get, received uh, uh, special treatment, and I don't mean that in a good way, uh, when it comes to these kinds of situations. And you don't get to be where um, Judge Brown, Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson is now without having already gone through the fire several times. She's tested. Uh, she'll come through this fine. But I have no expectation that we will see um, our Republican friends uh, show themselves uh, to be um, as a as a group, a classy group of individuals, people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, who on, on their best day couldn't compete with, uh, you know, uh, Judge Jackson, um, are going to be questioning her credentials, her qualifications, um, 
uh, and, and so there we are. That's a long answer to your question, I'm afraid. But I, I just have no expectations of that, and I don't think we should at this point. Uh, you know, uh, people have shown who they are and what they're about. And when it comes to matters of race, uh, people have been very clear on the subject. Well, let's just take a, a few of those those issues you've raised, uh, and mm-hmm. and let's look at the fact that um, as she comes before this committee and she was sworn in yesterday, uh, there mm-hmm. were questions regarding her record as a judge, and mm-hmm. of course the fact that she is the first public defender. And the public defender, as as we both know, is someone who is for free representing defendants accused of crimes who cannot afford uh, an attorney, indigent defendants. Mm -hmm. And we know that the uh, public defender system is underfunded. The federal system is very important for those accused of federal crimes. But um, she also represented uh, detainees at Guantanamo Bay, and uh, those are detainees who have many of whom have not received any type of trial. They're just still being detained for 20 years. If you can imagine mm-hmm. being detained without mm-hmm. a trial for 20 years. Um, and so this this is now seen as something as a mark against her that she would actually represent poor people, which, you know, you think in our system of justice, everyone is supposed to have an attorney. Um, and yet uh, the fact that she defended um, poor people accused of crimes is seen as um, something that should undermine her ability to be on the Supreme Court. What do you think of that? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, it's not just the system of justice uh, says that people should uh, have a uh, uh, a council. The Constitution says so. Uh, It's the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution. It's in the Bill of Rights that everyone is entitled to counsel. Uh, as a as a constitutional right, and so uh, you know, if if the idea is that you can only be a a useful judge, a good judge, if you prosecute, um, you know, that's one side of the equation. But you also are supposed to have a proper defense. Um, she didn't, you know. I was, t- I was t- just telling you, this, I'm glad you asked the question. I was just telling you with my students there at Medgar College about this, and I said um, there are no guilty people. Uh, in a, in, uh, who, who are brought to trial. Uh, you're presumed to be innocent. So you defend, you're not defending criminals. You're defending people who are accused. Okay. And unless you're going to just believe in the omnipotence and the omniscience of, uh, the pro, of the police and the prosecutors, uh, you've got to believe that, uh, people are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. So, so defenders, public defenders and any defense attorney, they're defending innocent people. Okay, now they may be proven guilty, obviously, uh, but they, they are defending innocent people. You're innocent until you're proven guilty. So I, I really would love to see the senators who are criticizing her for doing this just respond to, the, to, to that basic notion. That do you believe that people are innocent until proven guilty? Because so let's, go to, a, let's go to another point, sure. and I'll go to mm-hmm. this point. And so um, sure. I, I watched the opening statements of the, the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, and you had those who were overjoyed, uh, such as uh, Senator Cory Booker, and you had um, Senator Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee, um, right. who who actually was critical of the fact that um, Judge Brown uh, Jackson uh, was on the board of a school and uh, that had a class on critical race theory. 
And so, you know, so she looked at it, this is Judge Blackburn, I mean, Senator Blackburn, as um, undermining the rights of parents and parents who don't want their their white children being told about um, Black history. And so and so that was seen as a criticism. And this was some challenge to parental rights to have um, they to have these um, children in uh, these schools actually told about black history. Um, The other uh, issue was going back to the right to counsel for the indigent that um, Judge uh, Brown Jackson actually uh, uh, was defending uh, it, uh, the in detainees at Guantanamo Bay, where she could have been defending veterans. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're spending your time defending these um, Guantanamo Bay defendants or uh, detainees, as opposed to spending your time doing something that's worthier, such as defending um, veterans. So it's, it's really, a, a, I think, it's a remarkable that is a not win a non-winning situation for some people who have decided to take her record because there's very little they can actually work with and and try to over 500 decisions that she's written and take of all those 500 decisions she's written take them and find these points of something well you did this but you could have been doing something that they mm-hmm. feel that was um, of a higher power mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, you, you know, uh, Senator, Senator Blackburn is is um, what's 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 the phrase? Uh, it was a real piece of work, of course. Uh, she's uh, been deeply involved with the uh, the manufacturers uh, who are responsible for the uh, opioid epidemic uh, in in a very real way, and they've financed a lot of her campaign. But we we won't talk about that right now because we don't want to we don't want to go into all of her background. But what she's saying. Again, it, it's it's hard, you know, um, it's impossible to deal with ignorance because ignorance means that somebody just does not know and ignorance can be overcome uh, with knowledge and learning. Um, stupid is something else, though, and uh, because you really can't fight stupid because, um, you know, people are living in a land where there is no logic. And so logic is not going to be particularly useful. So we could we could go back and forth uh, with the senator with respect to critical race theory and what it is and what it isn't. Um, but to the other point with respect to well, you know the um, you know you know defending the uh, the, uh, the acting as defense counsel for the uh, detainees in Guantanamo is is, is you know it's, which was I, part of her job. That, which was part yeah, of her yeah, job yeah. as a public yeah. defender. It wasn't as though she volunteered to defend no. the um, detainees at Guantanamo Bay. As as, yeah. as a public defender in Washington D.C., this was part of her job. Well, well and also it's part again. I, I just I don't think we can overemphasize this, uh, Gloria, which is that it's part of the Constitution that even people accused of the most heinous crimes are entitled to counsel. And and so it's it's a constitutional requirement, and as they say, somebody's got to do it. And that was her job as 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 um, a a public defender in the federal system. Uh, so unless you're going to say that certain people, you know, if you're accused of certain crimes, you're just not entitled to counsel. You know, if you if you you know you know if you're you know a, a mass murderer or uh, you know uh, you sh- heck you know the um, uh, Hinckley who who shot the president in the United States for goodness sake tried to kill him, uh, he had counsel. 
right? And 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 we expect that people will have counsel, and and we sh- we don't denigrate or somehow, uh, you know, you know, say that the the defense counsel is somehow a bad person for making sure that that the Constitution is observed. Unless you just want to just you know you know repeal the Sixth Amendment or that portion of the Sixth Amendment which says that people are entitled to counsel, except if and if you want to put in exceptions, then fine. Otherwise, you cannot possibly criticize this woman uh, for defending um, anybody, uh, it, you know, as as, as, a, as a part of a constitutional right. And, and uh, you know, it, it's it, it is interesting um, that uh, she, uh, you know, when she, and I do believe she will be confirmed. Uh, you know, Judge Jackson, when she's confirmed, um, will just be this, I believe, just the second defense lawyer, uh, you know, uh, Justice, who, who has worked as a defense lawyer, the other one being, of course, Thurgood Marshall. You know, and uh, there's there's a theme in there somewhere, isn't there? Because it's, you know, it would be only two, you know, two of the three black people ever appointed to the Supreme Court. Um, you know, and uh, you know, maybe we need a few more people from the defense side, or at least have worked on that side. Um, you know, nobody's saying that Judge uh, Jackson's entire career has been as a defense uh, lawyer, and if it was. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I believe that um, uh, Charlotte Eiffel was was being considered as well, and uh, of course she's part of, you know, she's the head of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, right? And so, uh, would would she somehow be considered a a improper um, uh, justice because she's been on the defense side instead of the prosecution side? Um, you know, I just leave it. At, I'll, I'll just leave that question open ended. I guess that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> Well, let's go to judicial philosophy, because this is another question that has been raised. And she, she's been asked, what is her judicial philosophy? And she says she doesn't have a judicial philosophy. She takes each case as they come. What does this, mm-hmm. does this mean to you to have a judicial philosophy? Well, well, you know, it, it, it's interesting uh, because the last um, nominee uh, who um, actually. Amy Coney Barrett. Mm hmm. No, no, no. Well, the last judicial nominee who who articulated their judicial philosophy was um, uh, <laughs> Judge uh, Bork. And Bork. See, oh my he, goodness, he, that's right. Right, and you see what happened to him, right? So since then, no no Supreme Court justice nominee has articulate has answered that question. What is your philosophy? And and what they do now? And and um, I was watching it just this morning. Uh, you know, uh, and, and Judge Jackson said, "I'll t- I'll talk about my methodology," uh, but she's not going to talk about her philosophy. You know, she's and and she says that most most judges. I worked for a judge for um, four or five years uh, as a uh, at the Supreme Court, New York State Supreme Court, um, as uh, law secretary, and um, and. Uh, you know, judges. You know, you know, judges are human beings. So judges, of course, have their, you know, perspectives. And but what you're supposed to do is 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 be fair, and uh, and uh, and to clear the decks, if you will, in terms of how you feel about a person, or uh, no matter what, you know, what what the or or a cause, no matter what it is, and go with the facts, and then go with your interpretation of the law as you believe it applies. And um, but. You know, if, if you if you get into the philosophy trap, which is of course some people like Josh Hawley are going to try to do, and Ted Cruz, um, genius that he is, will try to do. Um, you, you, you can't you can't um, you can't be right uh, with respect to that. And um, you know, so so uh, you know, so that's, that's uh, so I, I don't think that she's going to answer that question. I think she's going to go the methodology route, and uh, that's probably the best thing to do here. 
Yes. And, and as someone, and I, I clerked for a state court judge in Philadelphia, and I clerked on the Eastern District of Pennsylvania for a district court trial court judge. Um, I, I saw them take one case at a time. I didn't see any overarching judicial philosophy. I wonder where this even comes from. Um, I, let's go back to what you said, and we'll take a break in a, in a moment, but I hope you can stay on because... Mm-hmm. Um, when you mentioned Ted Cruz and um, this this use of this nominee process to battle between the Republicans and Democrats. So Ted Cruz says our Democratic colleagues want um, to um, want to undermine the Constitution. They want a non-democratic process. That's the, the, the phrase he used. And that Kavanaugh's um, nominee uh, process was a circus. And so much was 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 said about um, what has been happening as far as Biden's um, nominees, judicial nominees to the court Um, and actually asking questions about these uh, nominees to the U.S. Supreme Court who will sit for life. And we know that federal court judges or Article three judges sit for life. Um, So it's not just the U.S. Supreme Court justices. This may be the only time. We can find out about their character or if we have issues about or questions about their character, because once they ascend to the court, we don't hear anything else about them personally. And I had mentioned earlier in the program today that Justice Thomas is in the hospital and there's little said about the ailment, you know, how, how serious it may be. Is it COVID? I mean, their lives become very secretive. So isn't mm-hmm. it almost in, you know, a part of the need for us to find out who these people are, their character, otherwise their deeds, misdeeds at this point, because we're not going to find out anything after they actually get voted onto the court. Yeah. Well, yes. And I think that's true up to a point because, um, and I will preface my next remark by saying I am no fan of Clarence Thomas at all. And uh, you know, and, uh, but, you know, the the issues that were brought up um, with respect to events that happened years earlier, uh, you know, just really, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, no one, you know, you know, uh, is it, what is it, he, he or she who, or, or with Kavanaugh even for that matter. Well, again, I'm no fan of his and not in support of his. I would have voted against uh if I was on the Senate, I would have voted against his um, ascension to the Supreme Court, um, just based on uh, his, you know, the, the perspective to the court that he brought. Uh, uh, but um, you know, with Kavanaugh, let, let's put Clarence Thomas because that, you know, maybe of your listeners may not have been paying that much of attention in 1992, 90, you know, 1992, 91. But um, you know, the Kavanaugh situation where you know there's, there's some really you know stupid behavior on his part, uh, and, you know, as, as a drunken teenager, um, doesn't tell us one thing or another, you know, um, that, uh, about him about how he would serve on the, on the Supreme Court. Now, if that, if, if we're talking about some type of behavior as an adult, if you're talking about his behavior, you know, more recently, and that's why I'm going to put the Thomas situation to the side for the moment. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's too much. Now, now one can bet that, um, you know, uh, Judge uh, Judge uh, Jackson's uh, 
you know, you know that um, the Biden administration has gone through her entire personal record, and and you know when there's when people are are being um, uh, you know selected for these kinds of positions, they, you, anything and everything that you ever may have done in life that could be problematic, you're supposed to talk about it so that it doesn't it doesn't it's not a surprise, right? Um, so I don't think they're going to be able to go there uh, with. Um, uh, with 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 Judge Jack only because uh, I'm sure folks have already gone there. I think with Kavanaugh, for example, you know um, you, you had Trump who you know just would say that's not a problem, go fight him. Though, you know, and, and um, but here I don't I don't think you're going to have that kind of personal. Kind of, the best they've got is that she's on the board of a, of a school uh, that um, that teaches critical race theory. I don't, I don't think that we're going to see a real problem. But what do you, what? And I'm going to just leave this question and then we'll come back and look at it mm-hmm. afterwards. What should we know about the personal lives of a U.S. Supreme Court justice? And that, that's I, a good, I'm, I'm I, I know it's, it's a great question. And we'll talk about it after this musical break. We'll be right back. This is Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. <laughs> Our musical break.
that got me moving. That was Hank Mobley, Dig Dis. Dig Dis, D-I-S. So this is Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. And this is WBAI 99.5 FM, WBAI.org. We're talking today with Professor Wallace Ford of Megar Evers College. And we're discussing the nominee Katanji Judge, Katanji Brown Jackson. Her process has begun. It started yesterday. Um, the U.S. Constitution says the president nominates, but the U.S. Senate, with its advice and consent, will determine whether or not she ascends to the nation's highest court. If you have a chance to watch, uh, the Pacifica will be following this hearing process, but we're talking about it right now. And one of the questions that I have for Professor Wallace Ford, is what should we know about the personal life of these U.S. Supreme Court justices? Because once they ascend to the court, we know very little. I've been in the press box for many years at the U.S. Supreme Court. I've interacted with Supreme Court justices, have their pictures on the wall and such. And Justice Sotomayor actually wrote a book that we could then read about her personal life. And, you know, some of them write books after they've been on the, the bench, but others don't. Um, what should we know ahead of time? Is this prying? Is this voyeurism? Or is this necessity, do you think, um, Wallace Ford, for us to ask these questions about um, a person who's going to have such power? Well, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, certainly knowing who the person is, uh, is, is, is important. And certainly there is some level of personal background uh, that, um, uh that 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 I think is useful. I don't think, you know, when 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 president decides to run for president, literally everything that you did in in college and in high school, and, and uh, you know, people who knew you in grade school, all of that stuff comes out. And you you know, we want to know everything that, that there is to know about uh, you know, about someone in that regard. Uh, how much of that is useful or relevant? Uh, I I don't I don't know that necessarily is the case, but. Um, but when we're talking about the judge, judges, judges, and, and and to your point, uh, you know, going to the Supreme Court, um, you 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 can say no uh, to to these positions. But if you if you take a, a position in in public office, uh, you know, in 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 government of any sort, and, and I as I certainly have, uh, and uh, as we both are right now, we we work uh, for um, state institutions, and, and so we're, we're subject to a level of scrutiny that might not be the case in a in a, in a private sector situation, but uh, I think there should be limits with respect to that and uh, and, and respect it. Uh, you know, um, you know whether or not uh, you know someone has been married more than once. Uh, I don't think is 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 something that you know is anybody's business in terms of uh, going on on the Supreme Court. On, on, you know, if there's cases of violence and abuse, and that's a whole other story. But just you know, in in the normal flow of of human events, uh, people get together and then they're not together. So, so should that be something that the, uh, a person should have to uh, you know answer for in a Supreme Court um, you know uh, confirmation process? I don't think so. Um, uh, you know, um, you know, if you have a, a child. Child who, um, you know, winds up uh, just on the wrong side of the law, for example, or or has has uh, addiction issues. Um, is that something that you should have to discuss in any kind of detail or at all? I don't think so. 
Um, you know, and I'm thinking of uh, President Biden right now and his, his son Hunter and his, his young man's had uh, some real challenges. Should he have to be, be speaking about that? He does speak about it because Joe Biden is just that kind of guy. But should he should money to the Supreme Court? Should they have to answer uh, for those kinds of things? I think that that would be unfair. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, character does show itself in, in many ways. And, you know, uh, someone who's been arrested in serial times for drunk driving, for example. Yeah, I think that's something that um, would, would talk about. Be, uh, you'd want to talk about because that doesn't, that's not just a matter of self-control. It's also um, flouting the law that you're supposed to be um, enforcing and interpreting. And so, yeah, that would well, that's a crime. Drunk driving is a crime, so yeah, you know that would be something in, in you know. But but I, I do think that the, I, I think we've gone too far over the last several years in terms of going into people's backgrounds and uh, um, and and I and I'm, I'm you know, personal personal life. I think there, there should be some some lines of demarcation. But we live in an era of, of you know Facebook and Instagram and all those other things and. You know, um, everybody's life is an open book once you open up an account of some sort. So, uh, but but that's how I feel about it. And so, but you said something about um, Kavanaugh and when he was um, in his younger days in high school, et cetera. But there were also Mm -hmm. issues regarding his behavior as an adult, you know. And so Mm -hmm. where where do we draw the line? What I mean, I I think uh, it, it takes me back to the Harvard professor who was nominated to the Supreme Court and his students then wrote a letter saying, you know, he's a great guy. We think he's a great appellate judge, but no, he should not be on the U.S. Supreme Court because he smokes pot with us all the time. And this is not mm. the kind of person we think should be on the U.S. Supreme Court. And mm. and so it could be, that, you know, marijuana is legal now. If somebody who is smoking marijuana on a regular basis, should that person be a Supreme Court justice? I mean, I think it's what we envision a person should be in these higher offices. But as you pointed out, it does then refrain from uh, uh, makes many people refrain from entering the fray because they don't want to be torn apart. You know, they don't want to have their lives exposed and then not even get the position after their lives are exposed. Mm-hmm. Well, but we, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly uh, do agree agree with that. I do think that, um, you, you know, for, for example, with Kavanaugh, for example, if you're talking about behavior as an adult, uh, you know, some, you know, somebody who's who's in, involved in behavior that 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 is so serious that people turn it to be harassment, sexual harassment, or, or anything like that. I think, yeah, they, you have to talk about that. You know, so if, if you know Joe Biden was criticized because he always you know put his hands around, he's, he's very touchy, and uh, people said, well, that's just you know um, not appropriate, and he had to answer for that. So yeah, but. Um, you, you know, uh, smoking marijuana is, is a is, is a real interesting uh, situation because it's, you know there's so many. You know, I was I graduated from uh, college in 1970, right? So I was I was, I was in, you know, <laughs> and, and it was when I was in college and in law school between '66 and '73. And uh, you know, if if, uh, if if you went into a room of people who attended school in in those days and they said well, all the people who never smoked marijuana please stand up 
it would be a very lonely group that was standing up. <laughs> and so, but, you know, people get very hypocritical going, going forward. And, uh, and, you know, and, you know, but I, I, I don't think that should have been a disqualifier for that. Uh, you know, yes, yes. Smoking marijuana was illegal. But and, that was, that was drink. at that time in that, in that place, in our last right, yes. 30 seconds together, um, mm-hmm. as, because by the time we meet again, um, if we're on this program and our listeners are together on Tuesday, uh, we'll have a decision made, hopefully, mm-hmm. in this no- mm-hmm. for this nominee, Katanji Brown Jackson, judge on the appellate court in D.C. And so they say that she's going to be a part of the minority liberal justices and it won't really make a difference. But since, yeah. you know, the Supreme Court judges sit for life in a, a very short um, answer, if you could, what power do you think she has? What do you think she brings to the court? Uh, power of persuasion, I think, is important. Um, you know, when you read about, um, you know, the Supreme Court justices, they just don't sit in their uh, individual bubbles. They do meet together. They talk together. And uh, just very briefly, when, when Thurgood Marshall went on the, on the uh, court, he could provide a perspective on race, for example, that many of the justices at the time commented never knew that, never thought about it that way. And, and, you know, in some instances, people's minds do change when they hear, hear, hear about it from a colleague as opposed to uh, from other, other sources. So the power of persuasion, I think, is um, what's important. And also, she, she, you know, dissent is important. You know, today's dissenting opinion can be uh, supporting a, uh, you know, the, the, the majority opinion a few years from now. Excellent. Thank you so much. We've been joined today by Professor Wallace Ford, um, Associate Professor in Public Administration at Megger Evers College, City University in the House. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for all that you do. This is Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. And this is the time I really want you to give. Please give to this station. WBAI is able to do so much for the community, not just the community right here in New York, but the community in the surrounding region. And for those of you who listen on WBAI.org, then you know that you've been uplifted and informed, inspired, and hopefully empowered by what you get from this radio station across this nation and in other parts of the world. I want you to, if you would, become my BAI buddy. Become my BAI buddy. And the pledge line is 212-209-2950. Pledge Anything you can, but become a BAI buddy, and it sustains the station. 212-209-2950. We've been talking about Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson in detail, and I'm going to tell you, if I was on any other station, and some of you have heard or seen me on other stations, I would have two minutes, three minutes to talk about this. We do not get time in media anymore to go in-depth into anything. You have four or five different people competing for one minute of a soundbite. This is a time to give in-depth discussion, to actually go into what needs to be said and spend the time. That time is what we're giving to you, our time, my time our intellect, our expertise, finding people who can break it down for us. This is what we do on WBAI to be informed 24 hours a day. Can you imagine what it costs to have a station going for 24 hours a day? 
and people giving of their time and talent for you, our listeners. So if you would please support Law of the Land, I would truly appreciate it. 212-209-2950. 212-209-2950. Or you could text give to the number two WBAI.org. Give G-I-V-E to the number two WBAI then dot org. Become a BAI buddy. It's really easy. Call 212-209-2950. Once again, um, what we do on Law of the Land and what I try to do on every particular show is to think about what you need to know. Who's the person who can give that to you? What is the information, not just of what's going on today, but what's happened in history and how it will affect our future? Sankofa. I really live by the philosophy of Sankofa, the Ghanaian word Sankofa, where we look at our history to understand our history, to better understand our present and plan for a better future. So in understanding history, always I try to interweave history, telling you about Charlotte Ray in 1872, the first black female lawyer, so that when you're watching this hearing, and you should, of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, that you understand the road that has been taken by Black women during this Women's History Month, understand the need for us to better understand how long women have been struggling, have been fighting, have been putting themselves out there, have been gaining a foothold in society. 1872, in Brooklyn, New York, that's where our first Black female lawyer resided, Brooklyn, New York, Charlotte Ray. I think that's worth being a buddy right there, learning something like that. For all you people in Brooklyn, hey, Brooklyn shout out. Yes, I used to live in Brooklyn. I was a Brooklynite. I lived on Bergen Street in Brooklyn. Yes, I was there. So Brooklyn people, be a BAI buddy. Can we hear from Brooklyn? 212-209-2950. 212-209-2950. These things that you learn on Law of the Land, I think not only will be helpful to you, empowering inspiring and also informative but spread the word go into the office go tell some friends go up to them and say you know what i know who the first black female lawyer was and then you can even bet them i bet you don't know how long it's been that we've had a black female lawyer i bet you don't know the first black female lawyer and they're gonna say what well, then go even to your law friends go to people who are the know-it-alls in the group i know who the first black female lawyer and they'll say oh constance baker motley because she was a civil rights attorney with the naacp legal defense fund constance baker motley in 1966 became the first black female to sit on the federal court bench here once again in New York City. But the first black female lawyer was Charlotte Ray in 1872. Yes, please win a bet with somebody. Find out, you know, share your BAI knowledge. That's the thing. Share your BAI knowledge with your friends and family. But we can only do that 
if we have money to run the station. And so that's why being a BAI buddy is so important. 212-209-2950, 212-209-2950. And please give what you can. If you can't be a sustaining member, then just give what you can. We'll take whatever you have. We are not that choosy. We will take it to keep the lights on. Yes, we will take that at 212-209-2950, And for those of you who want to send a check, yes, there are still checks out there. You still have checkbooks. Those of you who want to send a check, then you can send that check to WBAI, but you have to write it out. Remember to write the check out to Pacifica, P-A-C-I-F-I-C-A, Pacifica dash W-B-A-I. So you have to put both of those on the check and send it to 388 Atlantic Avenue, 388 Atlantic Avenue. Once again, Brooklyn, Brooklyn in the house, 11217. That's the zip code, 11217. 11217. And that's also the address on the website. So if you didn't get it this time, it's on our website, WBAI.org website. Once again, we've been talking about this very important nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court. What she brings to the court, we heard was persuasion, perspective, intellect, the Black female intellectual. I want you to understand um, there is so much that's been said about a Black woman. Very rarely is she seen as the intellectual that many Black women are. And I'm going to throw myself into that bunch. And some of you are too, because I think I have the smartest listeners of all the listeners. The smartest listeners listen to Law of the Land. I truly believe that. But I just want to ask you one more, one more time. 212-209-2950. Become a BAI buddy for Law of the Land. Support this program. Help us to keep this station on the air and be a part of a legacy, a legacy of inspiration, empowerment, and information for generations to come. That's it for me tonight. Tonight, oh, this morning, I'm so excited. I can't get over myself. We're going to have a Black female U.S. Supreme Court justice, and hopefully she won't disappoint. Thank you, Paul, for being Birds this high, you know how I feel. And I'll see you on the radio. 